It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Hey, welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. As we look back at the Bengals' um, humiliating, demoralizing, deplorable thud of a dud of a 38-3 loss to the Baltimore Ravens, Rick, all the things that we talked about coming into this game of was Brandon Allen the backup quarterback? Has Zach Taylor started to turn the corner? Is this a step forward? They all came crashing down today. Yes? Yes, and it's exactly what I expected to happen. I just didn't understand the people who thought in a matter of two weeks, Zach Taylor and this organization had become some competent franchise. They had the schedule play out the way it did to where they caught the Steelers at the perfect time. And then they played a Texans team that had given up quite honestly. And, you know, I mean, the Texans played much better this week, but um, that defensive effort that the Texans put forth against the Bengals was almost as embarrassing as the one Bengals put forth today. So um, I, I expected this quite honestly. The Ravens are a bad matchup for them, and they're a good football team that was playing for something. And uh, 404 rushing yards, the the second most in the modern era, I guess, and 525 <laughs> yeah. yards of total offense is just, I mean, just absurd. That uh, Here's my question for you, Skinny. Is that a lack of effort or just having no answer for the Ravens, and which would be worse for Zach Taylor, in your opinion? Because it, it's really not his side of the ball. It's worse for Lou Anarumo, who we're going to talk about probably at some point. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I, which is worse for the team overall. Then is it? Yes, that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's the. I don't think there was a lack of effort. I, I, I never, I rarely believe that. Man, I mean, that that long touchdown run in the sec, early in the second half. You don't think the guys I, just kind of? I thought guys were running one. behind him. I thought they were chasing him. They just couldn't get him. I, 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 I understand what you're saying, and I get it. I just and maybe that's the case, believe- but Jermaine Pratt just flat out sucks then. Like what is and there's doing? that and there's that potential too and that's absolutely a, a a real point of all a lot of those guys sucking, um, yeah I I don't believe that I, you're a professional you're getting paid you put your thing on tape and and teams can tell if you're dogging it they can they they really and truly can if you think you're playing for somebody else or playing for this team next year you you can't play that way I just don't think they're very good I mean let's face it on the defensive line you were supposed to have DJ Rito Gino, G, DJ Reader excuse me Geno Atkins and, and Carlos Dunlap at this point you got none of them I mean you got none of them uh, and it, I, I'm not looking for excuses don't get me wrong I'm just telling you that's just a fact of life and the linebackers aren't very good and I don't think the draft picks are great they're they're okay they've played okay and Davis Gaither made a great diving interception you're down to your best three corners today um, again, this is not an excuse. It just is what it is. It's why today looked as ugly as it did. Um, I do think there's there's a little bit to probably business decisions being made. I never really saw that officially. I, I, I occasionally saw that from some players during the year of I'm not going to go make that tackle or I'm not going to stick my nose in there. I really didn't see that. I just think they they are that inferior to this particular team at this particular time. I think that's exactly what it is. And how big of an issue is that then? I mean, like when people yes. are trying to pitch that they're turning the corner and they're not far away, and then you see they're still every bit as far away as they were in the middle of the season to the the class of the division. Well, Rick, I think that's the point that you and I talked about in the midweek podcast. I, I, I Anybody that that narrative is just dumb. There's no way anybody thought they were turning the corner. Granted, listen, the wins are wins. You don't have to apologize for the Steelers turning over three times. You don't have to apologize for for. Houston not being very good defensively, and you showed it. They showed it today. They gave up forty-one points to, to Tennessee today. Probably should have won the game. They scored thirty-eight and still lost. Um, so you don't have to apologize for those things. But it doesn't mean you've turned the corner. It's nice. It's fun. It's better. 
And it's it's good that you at least won some games. And, and look, the Pittsburgh game does make you sit up and take notice until you remember how bad Pittsburgh was playing up to that game and how bad they played for the first half of the the uh, the indie game the following week. And to their credit, they rallied to win that game somehow, some way, which also is a testament to how Pittsburgh has some intestinal fortitude. But yeah, no, I mean, nobody thought they were turning the corner that had any common sense. I just don't know if you could see today and go, okay, not only of that turn of the corner, this is how far they are away. And so, and we're going to get to this. I know we're going to get to the highest of, uh, you know, uh, assistant coaches and some on their own, some because they're being forced out and where all that leads. And it makes me just go, you know what, then just clean house. Let's just be done with what, why fiddle and diddle and piddle with this stuff. Just be done with it. I want to get to the the whole coaching situation in a second. Let's touch on a, a yeah. couple other quick things from the game. I mean, Baltimore really didn't need to pass the ball at all if they didn't want to. <laughs> they could have just ran the ball the whole game. Lamar Jackson is 10 of 18 for 113 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He ran 11 times for 97 yards. On the other side, though, we talked about Brandon Allen coming into this game, Skinny, and I asked you the question on our podcast of, you know, has he done enough to make you feel good about him being the the backup quarterback heading into next year? That is. And we kind of went back and forth of, I don't know that he's done enough, but he's, he's done enough to give himself a chance. Like he, he's the guy that you feel good about giving another look there. He's, he's done enough to earn himself a second chance or so we thought today. I mean, he was flat out awful. He goes six for 21, 48 yards, two interceptions is a passer rating of zero. Did he change your opinion at all of him? Was this not on him too much? Uh, where are you at on Brandon Allen after this performance? No, that's a great question. No, I I, I think I'm still fine. Um, it, it, I'd be probably less fine if you go, hey, Joe Burrow tore these guys up. And oh my gosh, if they'd had Joe Burrow, he didn't. He got perplexed the same way that Brandon Allen got perplexed. And listen, if, if you're playing your backup quarterback against playoff caliber upper echelon teams, you're probably not winning. You might get lucky and win a game like they did with Ryan Finley in the Monday night game, but you're not winning. And so, no, I, I think this is just for whatever reason, Rick, and maybe this is a Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan schematic issue. I mean, they scored three points in two games, three points in each of the two games against Baltimore. Is that on Joe Burrow? No. Is it on Brandon Allen? Probably not. Is it on the coaches? Maybe. Is it on the fact that you're just not as good as the other team across the way from you? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, no, it, it didn't change my mind. Uh, Rick, when you throw for 371 against a team in this league, you can spin it a little bit. You can you can throw it. And, and let's face facts, and I don't think it was a complete game changer. It was a situation changer. He threw a dart to T. Higgins on that 41-yard catch and run in which T. unfortunately got hurt wasn't able to end up setting the, the rookie receiving record on the Mike Thomas interference. That was a bullet. That was a great ball. And he caught T on the run for a big gainer. And suddenly it's three, nothing Bengals should be down on the Baltimore 40. Again, does it change the scope of the game? Probably not, but you have to look at that and go, all right, that changed some things. The best wide receiver on this team or arguably the second best behind Tyler Boyd, who looked like he was completely disinterested in playing today. And they took him away at points with double teams. Um, you have to take that with a grain of salt. So yeah, today did nothing for me. It did nothing negative for Brandon Allen other than the fact that guess what? They're just that much better. And you're not good enough to beat a team like that on a given day. Yeah. Can you beat Pittsburgh or some team that's struggling? that has a winning record on a given day. Yes, you can but you're not beating a team like this that had everything to play for is playing extraordinarily well. 
and and uh, has all their pieces. Yeah, you ain't beating them. So no, it didn't change my mind because you're not going out in the offseason, Rick, and getting something better than him as a backup. We already know in this roster, there's nobody better as a backup. I mean, I guess you could argue Kevin Hogan because he started some games in the league, but obviously they decided to elevate Kevin Hogan for a reason. So no, I'm 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 good with Brandon Allen. I am. He's a back. If you're a backup, you're a backup for a reason, man. It just is what it is. That's the biggest thing. Is I, it's not like teams go out and try to acquire the best backup possible in terms of talent. They acquire a guy who understands he is the backup and is not going to create a quarterback controversy amongst the media because they understand he's the backup. And you, you just go with a guy you're comfortable enough with and. You're absolutely right. I do not expect a backup quarterback to elevate you to a win, which is exactly what the quarterback of the Bengals would have had to do today to to beat the Ravens. I mean, you would have had to have an unbelievable MVP of the league type performance out of your quarterback right. to even have a chance. Right. So that team's a lot better than the Bengals. They're coached much better than the Bengals. That is what it is. And like you said, Joe Burrow looked so confused and and like he had no chance and no support around him the first time against the Ravens. It, it's unreasonable to expect his backup to do much better. And uh, yeah, no, exactly. not exactly how you'd expect. Real quick, you mentioned the T. Higgins injury. Any update there uh, after the game? No, no. In the in the worst part was he had been dealing with that hamstring issue for the last week. Plus, um, they thought they had managed it, and I'm not blaming them for this because I they're not going to play a guy who's hurt. It's just disappointing because. He'd been dealing with this for a period of time, made a great catch and run. You could see out what agony he was in. Um, no, I, I think the one that's going to be interesting when we talk to Zach next, and I still don't know when we talk to him next, and maybe we never talk to him next because he may be gone for all I know, um, is Trey Hopkins because he left with a knee injury, and I, I just never know with knee injuries. Hamstrings, guess what? The offseason hamstrings fine unless you pulled it off the bone, and he did not, um, to my knowledge. I mean, it was a bad one enough to, to keep him out of the game. Um, but no, I, I think he'll be fine. It's just uh, get to the offseason, get some rest and be done with it. Well, you talked about the reports of certain coaches being out and it started yeah. earlier this week. Um, at least Jesse was first, but a lot of people have reported and confirmed things since offensive line coach, Jim Turner, defensive line coach, Nick Eason and wide receiver coach, Bob Bicknell will not be retained after this season, according to everyone's sources. Apparently the player said it was awkward to have those firings leaked before the game and, you know, to be coached by those guys today. Did it play in the ro- a role in the outcome? Do you think, do you think certain people were kind of checked out and uh, it created a weird vibe around the locker room? Or do you think it is what it is? No, I, I, in my opinion, it had to have, it, it just had to have, um, and they're not the only one. So let, 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 let's go through the whole litany of them. There is, um, there's Nick Easton, the defensive line coach, and I'm drawing a complete blank as we're doing the podcast. His assistant Chapman, I can't think of his last name, Greg Chapman, Livingston uh, Chapman, Ger- Gerald Chapman, Gerald Chapman. Thank you, Gerald Chapman. Um, there's, um, there's the running Jim backs, Turner. running back coaches going to Kentucky. Well, and that thinks makes me think he's running for the hills, realizing, hey, I need a job. Let me go get a job. Jamal Singleton's going to Kentucky. Um, probably Ben Martin, I would assume, who's the uh, assistant offensive line coach to Jim Turner. Um, it's just an assumption. It's not accurate. It's not a report. It's not um, confirmed. But I would assume he's probably gone too. Um, and then Bicknell. And so that leaves you with, and probably tomorrow we'll find out Luana Rumo's gone, um, especially after today. You would certainly so that. That's a lot of I see. I'm I'm disagreeing with that. I don't think it's on him. I just I think the personnel is so bad that they just don't have a chance. But that's fine. Um, but I think that's where. Um, but the the thing is interesting to me is this: is this Zach's decision 
or is this above Zach? And so it makes me say one of two things. And the reason I say is this is Zach's decision because he's talked glowingly of his assistance. He was asked point blank by, I believe, our friend James Rapine about Lou Anarumo uh, this week. Spoke glowingly. Spoke glowingly the week before about the job Nick Eason's done with the depleted defensive line. Has spoke, as you know, glowingly about Jim Turner, right? Has spoke glowingly. Um, Bob McNell's never come up. So that's an interesting one to me where maybe Bob goes to hell with this. I'm gone. And so it makes me, it makes me think of two things. It's yeah, it's great that you got to make some changes and that's all well and good when you've been the record they've been the last few years, we all get that, but it also makes you wonder who's pulling the strings. And if Zach's talking glowingly about these guys, either he's a lying sack, which could be the case. That's fine. That's what coaches do. They're great at lying. I don't think he's a great liar. I think he means what he says most times, whether you agree with it or not. Or somebody else above him goes, no, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. And then some of the other assistants like Jamal Singleton go, uh-huh, I ain't sticking around for this. I know Mark Stoops. I'm going to call him and go to Kentucky because right or wrong, Mark Stoops isn't getting fired in the next, what, three to five years. He's just not. I mean, right. he's done enough in Kentucky. He, he ain't getting fired. So if you want some job security, Okay. And then you, you have some good running backs down there and you can make your bones again. And um, there's a lot of things to like about that job actually as a running backs coach. And maybe it's a $30,000 pay cut from 150 to 120. You're still making a good piece of change to coach running backs in, a, in, in, in Kentucky. So um, all those things make me think negatively about the organization to where if we're going to go to the point of you're going to force Zach to sweep some guys out and then other guys go, screw this, I'm gone. At what point then does the organization not just go, just sweep it all out? This is silly because I just don't know. How does Zach, how does Zach hire guys from more? Well, that's a great point. Um, I, I don't know if he's got enough cachet, A. He's got enough contacts, B. And I, I've, I've had people today tell me, well, you know, he's in the league, so he's got contacts. But does he really? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he's a young head coach. How many guys has he been around to go, hey, you're going to be a great running backs coach one day? You're going to be a great this one day. And yes, guys are going to apply, but then you got to go through the interview process of um, knowing them when you really don't know them. You're going on other recommendations. You're going on other things. And that's, you know, I mean, what coach worth his salt is not going to go, hey, man, Rick Boring was my assistant. I know he went 10 and 18 and I coached my ass off. But Rick, man, he worked so hard. He worked with the post players. He worked with my guards. He was good with scheduling. He's great. And then somebody could all should, should, should be able to look and go, well, then how are you guys? 10 and 18. Well, my Jimmy's and Joe's weren't good enough, but this guy coaches his asshole. So, I mean, there, there's all that in play. So I, I just, I think it's a bad situation, man, to the point of bad enough to go, you know what? Let's just start from scratch. This is silly. Why are we doing seven of 15 or 18 assistants and, and eight or whatever, whatever the number is um, and, and trying to piecemeal this. I mean, honestly, if you go to both sides of the ball, you're down your running backs, coach your wide receivers, coach your offensive line, coach his assistant, the OC is back, who's Brian Callahan, and no offense, I'm not sure what he's exactly proven with Zach. Feels like Zach's Bobo, and I like Brian. Brian's a nice guy to talk to, and he knows his game, and I love talking to him because he gives you great answers, but he's basically a Bobo. James Casey, the tight ends coach, seems competent. And people love him, but it's not like I look at his tight end group and go, man, they're great. Um, other side of the ball, probably Steve Jackson, the secondary is on the second year of a two-year contract next year. So he's probably back. Al Golden's probably back. And I had, we were talking to some people today of 
they're so stupid. They might hire, hire Al Golden as a, as a defensive coordinator. And that's fine. I mean, he was a head coach in college at Miami of Florida. It was like, he's a head coach at, at, you know, Schlepp state, but that's where we are with this stuff. Right. I well, mean, it may be promoting Al Golden, the defensive coordinator. Whoopee. I do want to say, dude, 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 let me tell you, Lou, 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 Anaruma, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. I thought he did a great job. I mean, a great job. They're so bad personnel wise and so depleted that, you could have brought Vince Lombardi in here and he couldn't have stopped this team from running for 400 yards today. He couldn't have. It's outrageous that Schlepp State wasn't considered for the college football playoff, first of all. Well, I just want to put that they, out there. They, 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 they are doing not, a disservice they, to the game. Rick, I think they were ninth or maybe 10th behind UC. No, ahead of UC. No, right. I don't even think they had them in if I go back and look at the rankings. I think Schlepp State deserves better. They're not getting any respect first. No, they're I not. wanted they to put sh- that they out should. there. That's but, a good point. They should. Uh, back, back to your points. I think you're right about the whole situation of the biggest problem you have now after halfway clearing house here and you know the original report from Elise Jesse suggested that league sources were telling her that the Bengals front office had been very blunt and forthcoming with Zach Taylor as they were looking forward about the direction of the the franchise so uh, that combined with the way Zach Taylor has defended his assistant coaches makes me think there's a good possibility that this is coming from above and he's being told no what he has to do. So that leads to two problems, right? One, Puppet. everyone knows. He's, yeah, exactly. One, he, everybody knows that he doesn't get to make the decisions and he doesn't, he, it doesn't really matter if he has your back because he's going to get his leg cut out from under him from above, which is, you know, somewhat understandable. If you're the Bengals organization, I wouldn't want Zach Taylor making my decisions either. And two, the other problem he has is everyone knows he's on the hot seat with maybe one year left to prove himself. Right. So who is right. really going to say, I want to hitch my wagon to Zach Taylor other than some upstarts that probably don't deserve the job in the first place or That's some perfect. retreads like Jim Turner who probably can't get a job with someone else because they've overstayed their welcome or done something to where they don't deserve to have a job any longer. There is a big difference between having contacts in the league and having good candidates that would actually want to come work for you. Those are two no, very different perfect. things. No, it's perfectly said. I mean, that then that's the part. I mean, yeah, you can argue it's an NFL assistance job, and you're probably getting a two-year contract. So even if you get whacked next year when the staff if, if the staff gets whacked, or is it when? Is it when the staff or if the staff gets whacked? Which, I which think, one do you think? I, I think it's when. And the big okay. the big thing is there is guys who are actually good and have ambitions. Don't say, oh, yeah, I want to work for two years and get my money, and then who cares what happens after that? They Correct. want to go win and build their, their resume to where they become a head coach someday. They they want to get in a good situation, not a, a flaming dumpster fire. Um. So can I tell my Jim Turner story now that I told you? I, I think that would be a perfect time to bring it up right now, yes. All right, so, all right, so fourth quarter, um, I go to the restroom during a turnover. And I, for those that don't know, and I'm not telling you that you need to know what I do, but I run a running game story, which is it's, there's an art to it. I enjoy it because it's just an art and we put tweet videos in and I'm always proud of it because it's on deadline and you have to publish it literally as soon as the game ends. So you have to be clever enough to write a clever lead. You have to be clever enough to, to put other stats in there. Like, looking up how the Bengals gave up epic rushing yards today and where that stands historically, all those things. So I, I'm always proud of that, right or wrong. But at some point, like 10 minutes ago, I had basically written this story other than plugging in some blanks. And there might have been a turnover on downs. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was there was a pause. There was a TV timeout. And I thought, okay, I need to go to the restroom. I really don't, but I need to go enough to just walk around for a second. So I go to the restroom. And me, and I'm not going to incriminate him, 
Um, I told you who it was, so he can always back this up and he, he will back it up if it has to be. Me and another writer were in the restroom and I walk in like a smart ass because, as you know, Rick, I'm a little bit of a smart ass. And I said, huh, is this where the line for season tickets is, guys? And I got a little bit of a chuckle by the five guys that were at the restroom. It wasn't much of a chuckle, but I just thought I'd lighten the moment. And so sitting there doing my thing at the urinal. And all of a sudden I see one of the stall doors come flying open. And I went, oh, and I kind of looked at the guy who I know. And he looked at me and he looked at him and we looked at each other. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is an awkward moment. And I go to the sink to wash my hands as he's washing his hands. And the guy I know in the media is washing his hands. And we walk out and we both look at each other. And I said, dude, was that Jim Turner? I think he goes, oh, absolutely. I said, that's what I thought. Cause he said, yeah, she said, Hey fellas. And I thought, Okay, and I get nature calls, right? You know that, right? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. There's times where we've all had to go for whatever reason, number one or number two, and you got to go and you just got to do it. <laughs> those, are the, not, those are the two options, typically. They yes. are the two options. Yes. But I, I can tell you wholeheartedly, I've never seen a coach in the restroom in a fourth quarter of a game in my lifetime. Can you imagine if that was 17-17 with the Bengals season on the line, making adjustments to try to win that game. If that cat would have been in the restroom. I like to envision that he actually just had his vape pen in his pocket the whole game. And you know, that it got to a certain point where he's like, eh, I'm fired anyways. I'm not coming back. We're getting blown out. And he just went to the stall to go hit his vape pen for a while. And, get, and, get and a there's a part of me going that, before the end of the game. Hey, bro, there's a part of me that wonders that might be true. All <laughs> I, mean, I know was the stall flew open and I went, Oh my gosh, they, offensive line coach for this team in the middle of a game he ain't making adjustments he's taking a leak or a piss or a poop or whatever and he's decided i'm done i'm done i like i like that you have to keep throwing out the options of what he might have been doing in there that is that. well i mean i'm not sure what else he could have been doing i mean well, well I, i'm telling you i i'm thinking I I, he's, in on, there, I, I, he's in there ripping on. his vape pen and then he hears oh my god that's richard skinner of the skinny podcast <laughs> and if he smells my weed pen here I, he is yeah. going to tell this on the skinny podcast tomorrow so i better stop and that's why he flung the door open and stepped out and saw you there i mean i could be wrong i don't want to incriminate anyone i don't know what he was doing this is just total speculation all right, Rick, let me ask you a question. You coach, you coach some middle school and you, you coach some high school basketball, girls, high school basketball. I coach. Did you ever leave a game in the middle of the game to go do whatever you have to do business wise? Literally well, like in the middle of a game. I was uh, asked to leave a few games in the middle of them, but no, um, not, not under my own decision. Never. Rick, as you, as you know, so have I by the <laughs> officials. Um, but no, I've never gotten to that point. Um, I it's just, a gr- it's great. Mo- I mean, look, it's just a guy who knows he doesn't care at this point. And that's, why should he? And that, that, that was the point of what I'm telling you is this yeah. exactly it of, he just went, I got to go. It doesn't matter. I got to go, man. It's just, who cares? Oh my goodness. That's where we're at with this organization. That's can where I, we're at, man. Can I ask you one more thing about this whole report before we get to what came out sure. after the game? Uh, so defensive line coach, Nick Eason was one of the guys reported as not going to be retained. Immediately after that on Twitter, I say some media, see some media members, and I'm not trying to like, you know, beef at anyone and say they're idiots or anything like that. I'm just genuinely asking you from your perspective. I see them say, oh, they wouldn't be surprised if Nick Eason gets picked up right away because the defensive line has had a good season, has played well. What am I living on an opposite planet? On what 
planet would this defensive line not be considered an abject disaster this year? Not only did you have the whole Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap situations going on, but you got zero pass rust the entire season to the point that it was just comical for like a stretch of six games when you didn't get a sack or even touch the quarterback. But then today you go out and your final hurrah and you give up 404 yards rushing and just do get absolutely nothing done, get dominant at the line of scrimmage and embarrassed by Lamar Jackson every step of the way. Skinny, please tell me you do not believe that this defensive line has performed well this season. No, I agree with that, but I, I think a lot of it's just personnel. I mean, Christian Covington, who are you? Well, I don't um, disagree, but at the same time, like, Amani Bledsoe, who are you? No, no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you. I mean, who are these guys? I, I mean, just don't understand the theory that like Nick Eason has shown well this year. When even you go to no, the Carlos Dunlap, that's right, where he was absolutely garbage, couldn't be motivated. He leaves, and he's played very well for the Seahawks ever since. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I, I get it. Um, and so I mean, a lot of the changes are going to be made. I don't mind. I get. But at the same time, I just want to know who's making those decisions because I'm telling you, I will pull the quote out tomorrow. I'll put it on Twitter for you. I've not done it yet, but I've got it. I've got it saved in a file. He was, Zach Taylor was glowing in his praise. And I'm not here to tell you he needs to run guys under the bus, right? That's not the way you do this stuff. But at the same time, you don't, if somebody says, what do you think the job of Nick Eason? Well, I think Nick's done a capable job with the guys he's had. That's the answer, right? It's not Boy, Nick's done a great job. I, I'm really impressed with the job he's done and the job those guys have done up front. Okay. I, I, I mean, I mean, he, didn't he say like he owed his life to Jim Turner or something? I mean, like this dude, yeah, maybe. This dude talked about Jim Turner like it was the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, maybe he saved him. Maybe he put him in the in the River Thames and he got baptized and it's all good. I mean, let me let's let's talk about what happened after the Ravens game today because another report report comes out. It's Pro Football Talk. Mike Florio made the report, yeah. which I take with a massive grain of salt because oh, yeah. the guys he, all over dude, the place. Well, because a he couched the living daylights out of this couched it times yeah. 50 yes but go ahead but he says in cincinnati a definite will see vibe has emerged with zach taylor he, he went on to say that the Bengals could be looking for a potential reunion between joe burrow and his former offensive coordinator at lsu joe brady who Yuck. is currently the offensive coordinator at carolina not very highly thought of there right now by the way Look, the, the, the Joe Burrow, Joe Brady connection is easy to make. It's one that's been made before going back a year or two. It's nothing like that hasn't been talked about. At the same time, it makes some sense that the Bengals would ask Joe Burrow who he would be most comfortable with. And if that's his answer, I don't know what you reply with if you're the Bengals. Well, let me just tell you, what, what, what was Baker Mayfield's answer when he asked about discomfort level with Freddie Kitchens? Hi. How'd that work out? Not great. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to piss on Joe Brady, but um, it's one thing if Carolina had gone 11 and five or 10 and six and you go, damn, they're setting the world on fire. How they doing, boy? How not they great. doing? Not great. Not great. And I, I get Christian McCaffrey was hurt for a chunk of the year. Um, they got other issues. They're just not a very good football team. So I get that. I'm not trying to piss on the guy, but I am trying to piss on the guy because what, what, <laughs> What, what what you do, man? What, what what have you done, my man? Number one or I mean, number two on him? Yeah, uh, maybe number two at this stage. Um, well, I mean, what's he done? Uh, you know, I, I I get what you did at LSU. LSU this last year and Alabama this year are so magical. You're like, oh my gosh, that's college football, bro. It's different. It's just different. 
And, and so I'm okay with different to let somebody come get a chance like Carolina going, hey, Joe Brady, I think I love your offensive schemes and your stuff. Let's plug you in. And then if you succeed, great. Did he succeed? Have they succeeded? Hmm, probably not. not. Yeah. So let's now, let's be let's be done with that silly talk. I'm not telling you it's a silly talk. You asking the question. I, I get it because I've seen the same thing. I'm like, what, what are we doing? What, well, what and that? and the Joe Brady thing isn't necessarily connected to Zach Taylor not being brought back. I mean, that's what Mike Florio adds on to an end of an uh, yes half-assed report. Correct. Uh, that's and that's it was completely not exactly well sourced. Yeah, you're right. Completely half-assed. So I'm not saying that any of those things are going to happen or both of them have to happen together. I don't believe that at all. Um, but it is interesting to see after everyone has been saying Zach Taylor is going to be brought back. Zach Taylor is going to be brought back. And we hear like half or more of the staff is leaving. And then all of a sudden you get this report that he, he may not be brought back and they hadn't made that decision yet going into today's game. I mean, if you hadn't made the decision going into today's game, today's game would have done nothing to make you feel good about bringing Zach Taylor back. Do you think there's any possibility that that's real? Or do you think it's hundred percent done that he's back? No, I don't think it's hundred percent done. I think there's a lot of conversations that's going to be had because of today, how ugly today was today made everybody go, Hmm, let's hit the pause button here for a second and let's figure out where we're going. And if you have the mass exodus and you have guys you have to let go and you have a big changeover in the staff, it may be, eh, let's just reset, reset the whole thing. I think at the end of the day, Mike brings him back. I think the caveat is, and this is awful, is you better get off to a good start next year. I'm giving you six games. You got to be four and two or three and three at worst in those six games. I don't care who you play, where you play them, how the COVID situation's working out. That's what you got to be. And if not, I'll put Darren Simmons in there as an interim guy and let's go from there. And I think that's where we're at with that stuff, dude. I really believe that. Man, that just seems like an awful plan of attack. Not to mention, I'm with you. I'm, to not, hold I'm a not coach to that, Rick. When you have Joe Burrow recovering from a knee injury, you're not even 100% sure if he'll be ready by week one. That's going to be a tough ultimatum to put down and really stick to. And it just seems like you're throwing away another year of Joe Burrow, which we've, we've talked about a lot. Like that's, that's how you fall behind, and that's how you ruin this Correct. type of situation with Correct. the potential franchise quarterback. It's you, you have to win while they're young for the most part, or at least establish the, the roster and get it rolling while they're young. So you can try to uh, retain some of these guys later down the line with the idea of, hey, we've got something special that we're already winning with. Take a little less to stay here, or you know, you're able to get a few more free agents because they want to be a part of that special roster. So that, that's the key there is getting the roster in place while he is still cheap. And I mean, if you waste two years and then you're bringing in a new coach and a new system and a new staff all together in year three of Joe Burrow, what is the realistic upside there for, you know, his first five years? No, it's, it's a fair, it's a fair point to make. And that's where I just go back to, this is such a poorly run organization and that's where we're at. I mean, there's, there's no denying that. And I just don't know how we get out from under until they make sweeping changes up top, not just at the coaching staff level up top. And until they do that, why would you think anything's different? Why would anybody think anything's going to change differently? You shouldn't. And so we're stuck in we're stuck in the '90s again. We are literally stuck in the '90s. That's been my take all along with this whole trying to win at the end and act like it's it's a turnaround. And and quite honestly, it would bother me if the Bengals front office went into today undecided about Zach Taylor's future. 
Because if you're letting the final three games here dictate whether or not right. you think he's capable right. and whether right. or not that's he's a, confident, that's a, Rick, that's a great point. You're, you're being going. way too reactionary. Like You should have known with how he handled Joe Burrow earlier in the season, with everything that's gone on, whether you were okay with all this nonsense, whether you were okay with the Carlos Dunlap and the uh, Geno Atkins and everything that happened last year and the A.J. Green situation this year, if you were okay with all of that stuff and you think he's leading you in a competent direction, then you should be fine with what happened the last three games here, regardless of the record. I don't, I don't think that should today's game should have any impact on whether he comes back or stays. They should have already decided that. And, and if they hadn't, then that's probably part of the problem uh, that they have to begin with. No, it's, I, I couldn't say it any better. It's perfect. Perfect. Um, a couple more things just to wrap up here. NFL draft order for the top five is now locked in. You got the Jags, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the Bengals. It, it does look a little bit better for the chance to get Panay Sewell again now. Uh, if you'd like it from uh, that perspective. I'm, not, I'm just not a big believer. I, uh, I'm tired of college offensive linemen. I just am. Well, uh, I get it, but it, I think the op, op, the option presents itself more likely again. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying I have to take him. I'm just saying it. Yeah, no. More likely he might be available again for the Bengals. Yeah, I guess, but I just ugh, yeah, great. I just I'm a big believer of this, and I've been told this today that they want to go after veteran offensive linemen, and I love that better because I want guys that have tape in the NFL because I just don't think college offensive linemen transfer. I think edge see rushers do. I'd love to see. Well, them do both. I, uh, yeah. Uh, well, if there's, I, look, I, if there's a game changing edge ed rusher at five, but, 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 I'd be all for that too. Correct. Correct. And if you give me Jeff Okuda from last year at five, I'm taking that. I mean, corners, wide receivers, hell, honestly, Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith at five. I think Hello? there's going to be a lot of people thinking about it after the show he just put on. Hello. I know. Hello. Devontae Smith at five. Mm. Give me that guy. Give me that home run cat. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 kind of glad that they don't. I, I think Penny Sewell will probably be out of their realm, which is going to be great because I just, I, I again, I'm not an NFL GM by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just tired of college offensive linemen. Billy Price sucks. Michael Jordan sucks. Um, Jonah Williams is average. I mean, there's just I just don't believe in them. I just I'm at the stage I just don't believe in those guys. Get guys, however it works out, that have NFL tape and are free agents, and go attack them. Go pay for them. And then I can draft an edge rusher. I can draft a corner. I can draft a wide receiver. I can get a running back off the scrappy. I mean, honestly, Samaje Pirine's actually really good. I'm not going to lie to you. I think he's really good. Well, I, we've talked about it a bunch of times that the running backs are a dime a dozen. You can, and I, you can and always I, and find and, someone if you have a good and, and, offensive line and, that can run behind them. Yeah, and, I, and I'm, in the interest of fairness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cap myself. I'm wrong on Joe Mixon. They shouldn't have paid for him. I'm the one that said they should have just because of where he was, his enthusiasm to play. He was their guy. I'm wrong. I'm completely wrong. They should have never paid for him. Never. No, I I think there's an argument to be made that the running backs will just never be worth the investment. Correct. Because, yeah, because Correct. of the, the fact of the way they can drop off so quickly in terms of their production and the fact that it seems like just about anybody can do it. You may not have an elite guy ever with that strategy, but you can find a capable guy as long as you have the good offensive line in front of them for him to run behind and you have a decent no, that's team. It. That's just it. I mean, that's exactly right. And that's well, where, um, like I said, shame on me. I, I, I just was a big believer of let, listen, what's your identity? Who's your guy? Who's the guy you want to rally behind? I thought that Joe was the guy and he still may be moving forward. And I hope he is because they still owe money and he still has to play, but I'm with you. I think at that point, no. But like I said, I, I think 
you know, edge rusher, corner, wide receiver anymore. Go get those guys. The rest of it, go get NFL tape. I don't care about I don't care about anybody else. Go get NFL tape on offensive linemen because the kids coming out of college, it is a complete, absolute, total roll of the dice. Well, one thing we certainly agree on is that they have to absolutely invest in free agency on offensive linemen that have experience. I, whether they draft one with the fifth pick or with none of their picks, I don't care. They have to spend money in free agency on offensive linemen with experience. That's a, a no brainer has to, uh, an ultimate absolutely has to happen. So um, if, if, if not, they've, they've got major issues. So um, well, I, the thing is, oh, Rick, and to cut you off on that, I'm not sure you have to do a whole lot. I'm not so sure you don't have to spend overspend for a left tackle. I think you have two guards who can play. I think Suafilo and Spain can play. I think Trey Hopkins, now, I, now the thing today that came out of it was his knee injury. I don't know how bad it is, but I think he can play. Bobby Hart's gone. Can I flip Jonah to right tackle, go sign a qualified left tackle and go, huh, big difference. Let's go. Well, and that might be exactly right, but that's that's why I'm saying you absolutely have to spend money in free agency. And it might only be one guy, but you have to guarantee right, you right. have upgraded yes. with an experienced yes. no, yeah, exactly. guaranteed starter. So everyone gets bumped down a spot. You know, you got right. one guy that's better than anyone else that you already had. And, you know, the, that way, you know, a guy like Jonah Williams will no longer have to be the best offensive lineman as a second year player. Maybe he's your second or third best offensive lineman, which is actually probably what he was this year for the Bengals. You know, no, that's, no, that's exactly right. That's and that's a good that's perfectly said so uh, one final note i had that i i did find interesting after the conclusion of today's games the nfl made it through all 256 games of its regular season in the the scheduled 17 weeks there were some postponements they had to do some unique things in terms of weekday games but really when you look around at the rest of the sports world and you compare it to what the nfl pulled off it is pretty damn impressive because they weren't able to bubble these guys all together. They, you know, they, all these teams were traveling each week. Uh, it's, it just seems like a lot of guys to constantly be in the same rooms and the same eating areas, even uh, to not, not have to miss more of the season. Yeah. I, I think they did a great job to sequester certain guys sequester position groups. So if it was a position group of like today, I didn't even look what happened to the saints running back situation, but I know it was bad going into the day because Camara tested positive and then the rest of them got contact traces. Um, no, I think they did a great job with that. I, I I'm, I, I'm with you. I'm almost stunned that they pulled it off. And some of it is kudos to the players uh, other than Dwayne Haskins going to the script club. Cause he wanted to go to the script club and get him some strippers. Um, with his girlfriend, which is impressive. I think that's awesome for her. I, I'm yeah. a big fan of that, by the way, but that's great. Yeah, she seems um, pretty nice. She's, she's like a team player, which is yeah. great. Um, but yeah, other than that, I thought I thought the players too did a good job because I can imagine how much of a pain in the ass that is. And um, this past week, uh, the, the handful of players we talked to on Zoom, Alex Erickson was one of them. Uh, you know, he had to get up at six or not get up. Hell, I don't know what time he got up, but he had to come get his... Um, his COVID test on Christmas day at six 30 in the morning to go back home to be with his kids for Christmas morning, which is a parent being with his kids and then come back to practice. And I know I'm not feeling, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for a guy making a million dollars a year, or whatever Alex is making. But the point is from a human being perspective, just understand that that's what that cat did to have to be home with his kids for Christmas and then go back to work on a Christmas day and then, I mean, that to me is impressive. Um, so I think 
I think they all deserve kudos for that. Um, the handful of players that got it recklessly, shame on you. The handful of players that got it without being reckless, that sucks. But it's, it is, you're right, it's incredible. I mean, I'm watching the last game of the night as we do this podcast, Rick, on Sunday night. I'm watching, literally, they're at halftime. We're getting through this, the whole thing. The whole thing, and that's incredible to me. Well, and I think the other thing it proved to me throughout the season was that betting and fantasy football play such a huge role in this thing at this point for people's enjoyment that they don't even care if there are major pieces missing and certain teams are running out skeleton uh, squads, you know, uh, to, to try to finish off a game because certain guys are in contact tracing protocol or whatever fans didn't care at all. I mean, honestly, did you hear any complaints about the quality of play in the NFL this year? I didn't It was people who care about their fantasy team. And Hey, the fact that six guys are missing today means there's some weird free agent pickup that you might be able to get in fantasy football, or, you know, there's weird prop bets available that people were talking about all year. So I honestly think like it added a certain element for the people who are into that type of thing of a little added excitement, a little more unknown. I think it was a very hard season to bet, especially at the college level, but uh, at the NFL level too. Yes, but I mean, because um, I, I didn't look at the numbers today. I have not dived into them deeply, but um, I think uh, maybe going to today or going into last week, road teams were either 500 or right on it against the number, not just outright, but against the number. Yeah. I and mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it really is. And that's some of that's the parody in the NFL, but some of that is the added parody of this season yes. with COVID of, and people of, being of not being able to set lines. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, that's all I got, Skinny. That was great stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Um, we'll be back midweek with another one. And guess what? Next weekend, it's the College Basketball Podcast opener. You, me, Chad Brendel. What a, work what a well year to be doing local Chad. college and basketball talks. I know. I'm, I, I, I want to I gouge my eyes out, but okay. Will any um, of the local teams win before then? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Will any of the local teams make the NCAA tournament? <laughs> Well, that's a good point too. Uh, that's a that's dicey. So, but we will be back next week uh, with that. Uh, I appreciate uh, everybody. I, I appreciate whoever suggested this was great. I, I enjoyed this, Rick, so much, and uh, I appreciate the people that uh, that actually suggested this to both of us, and it worked out great. So, uh, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'm surprised there were enough people that we decided to keep doing it all year. So, no doubt, that was no great. Doubt. Yeah, all year, all year through a four eleven and one year. Yay us. All right, for Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals' final post-game edition.